0: Today's episode is brought to you by Aero Electronics as part of a series highlighting folks who are pioneering innovation and inclusive technology.
1: Our goal is to unite people. It's not a sideshow. It's not a show for people with different abilities because at our core, we're all human and we all have that very, very base need to smile, to laugh, to share the laughter of our children, to share a multi-generational experience. And you can share that across all communities, across all demographics, and across all abilities.
2: It's easy to talk about the successes, but what doesn't get talked about enough is the struggle. My name is Eric Weinmayer. I've gotten the chance to ascend Mount Everest, to climb the tallest mountain in every continent, to kayak the Grand Canyon, and I happen to be blind. It's been a struggle to live what I call a no barriers life, to define it, to push the parameters of what it means. And part of the equation is diving into the learning process and trying to illuminate the universal elements that exist along the way. In that unexplored terrain between those dark places we find ourselves in and the summit exists a map. That map, that way forward, is what
0: we call no barriers. Today, we meet Lisa Lewis, who is the founder of Omnium Circus. Omnium means of all and belonging to all. And it aligns with Lisa's belief that the time is now for diversity and inclusion to take center rank. No longer an afterthought, full inclusion and access for performers, audiences, staff, and board members is the omnium opportunity to gather the brightest minds and the best talent from across the globe to bring you a bold new circus. Enjoy the conversation.
2: Hey everyone, welcome to the No Barriers podcast. I'm joined here with Jeff Evans, longtime climbing partner and No Barriers leader. Thanks Jeff. And then we got Lisa, Lisa Lewis, who we're so excited about. Been listening to your video last night that we're gonna dive into. And man, I just got so excited. Can I ramble a little bit to start this interview? Go for it. Uh, Lisa, do you mind? Uh, That's the first time you've ever asked to ramble, but go ahead. Okay, good. Well, it's my permission now to ramble. She just gave me permission. (laughs) So one, I listened to your video, to the circus, Omnium video last night, the performance, the circus. And it was, there are things that really blew my mind. One was, I don't even know how to break it all down because I kind of want to go through it step-by-step, but one, were you one of those audio descriptors? You were with a guy. Was that you?
1: That wasn't me, actually. It was one of my closest friends, and it was Liz and Carl, our audio describers.
2: Okay, so one, the way you guys audio describe Mm -hmm. blew my mind. It was so good. It was like, Jeff, you remember when, like, in the Olympics, when you're, there are two people, and they're narrating, like, the figure skating, you know, and they're talking about the costumes and all the nuances and, like, the way the light is sparkling in their eyes, and the, the the colors of the of the silks, and all this amazing detail that I never had an idea of why people love circus and you know circus de soleil and all that kind of stuff. And the way you guys described it, it, it made me realize how nuanced and beautiful visual things were. So that's my first comment. Like you really brought me back to this. Full experience of how beautiful the visual world is, you know, as people uh, do their performances with all the colors and light and movement. It just, it it was so well done. So that's my ramble.
1: (laughs) You have just totally made my day. Thank you so much, because that's why we do it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was
2: like a, a world that was completely cut off to me. Like, I went to Circus de Soleil with my family and my kids are like, "Dad, I don't even I can't even describe what's going on. It's happening too fast. So just sit back and enjoy the music."
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh... so you really made it accessible and inclusive and an open door for me and and so many people that I know uh, have enjoyed this and and it's brought a lot of meaning and beauty to their lives. And the, the other thing that I was blown away with, all the performances were amazing, but There was one with the lady who was at leg amputee and the way uh, the narrators described the choreograph of all the movement. And so this is a woman who's without legs. She starts out in a wheelchair and then she's with this guy and they're doing like acrobatic stuff and they're tying like these silks together and being lifted up off the ground and spinning around. And it was like, it, it wasn't just, um, uh, you know, like movement, it was a love story. And that blew my mind away as well that I never really realized, and maybe just call me stupid, that that there is this total passionate love story going on between this woman uh, who's a leg amputee and this, and this guy, the way they were moving back and forth. And I didn't even think they, they kissed at the end. And I was like, wow, that is beautiful. It really made a very powerful impression on me.
1: Do you want to know the fun backstory of it? Yes. They're actually newlyweds.
2: No way. They've just been
1: married a year. That's cool. Wow. And Jen, the aerialist, was actually born without legs and went into gymnastics. She played volleyball. She's done all sorts of incredible things. And she and Dominic have been married just over a year, I believe. And he's a trombone player, and they've just introduced him into the act. And Omnium is their world premiere of their duo act.
2: So like how do you find somebody like her and and her and her husband? How do you how do you find them and bring them aboard and how do you know that you know, that that kind of talent exists out there with people who are quote unquote disabled or, you know, differently abled, whatever you want to say?
1: It's a great question and I have to say the most truthful answer I can give you is that I lead with my heart.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: That's the most truthful answer I can give you. And it takes me just in incredible places. Knowing that I had this dream and knowing that this is what I wanted to do, and that I'm I'm just inclusion is so, so very, very important. It's like someone told me today, it's just your DNA, Lisa, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> so it kind of mm-hmm. is. So I just asked everyone I knew, and the circus community is fairly tightly knit. Like it's a pretty small community. So I just kept asking, does anyone know? I need everybody's. Who's the best? Who's the best aerialist? Who's the best this? Who's the best that? I need every demographic. I need every ability.
3: You brushed over the name of this yeah. really quickly, and I just want to make sure because I think this is really important. Omnium. Can you tell us, Lisa, what Omnium means?
1: So Omnium is the Latin word for of all and belonging to all.
3: Beautiful. And part of your logo says Omnium, a bold new circus. And then I want people to see that this this logo is amazing, by the way, it's under a big top yeah. and it's kind of circus and us is highlighted in red. Did you know that, E? It's like circus. They described it, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, I just, I feel like even through your logo, you're saying like, hey, this isn't about you, this isn't about me, this is about us, right?
1: It is, it's about us working together to create the world that we want to be in in the world that i want to live in people are judged for their hearts and the gift that each of us has to bring
3: you essentially have this collection of of amazing artists slash athletes i mean <laughs> this is a crazy amount of athleticism that's involved with a lot of what you're what you're putting together this coalition of people that are that are expressive and artistic and yet, you know, like committed to their craft, but have this other whole layer. That's the thing that I just keep. It's like you've got all these things, all this, this whole quiver of skill sets. And now, because of what Lisa has put together, there's this like whole other icing on the cake that brings it into a bigger audience. I, I'm fascinated with that aspect of it.
1: It's, exa- it's exactly what we're doing. It's, I mean, the circus itself is, one of those art forms that it cuts out all the nonsense, like there's very similar to like what you guys do when you're climbing. The rest of the the nonsense, the societal nonsense that goes on, there's just no space for it. There's no time for it. We don't have room for that in our world. You have to be able to trust the people you're working with. Somebody's lifting your rigging. You got to know they're not going to drop you. you. We have to be able to trust each other. So it brings a very honest and truthful group of people. Not everybody in the world. You can't say everybody about everything. Certainly in my group.
2: It must be hard to find such talented people. They're like sprinkled all around the world, right?
1: True. Very true. Um, Our hand balancing act is from Brazil. The the contortionist in our show, we actually got from Ethiopia. And she's still there. So that's why you didn't see an interview because she ran out of internet because there's a war going on.
2: And then there were a lot of, uh, there was a a guy from Russia, if I remember, if I remember, right? Yes.
1: Our clown is from Russia. He's also deaf.
2: Oh, right. Okay. Oh, there's a visually impaired juggler, if I remember. Right. Okay.
1: Right. We had a juggler who is on the autism spectrum. He's actually one of our fan favorites. We have our, our main clown is deaf. So the voice you heard was not his. It was the interpreter's voice that you heard. Okay. We have we have everybody's. We had someone at the very beginning, one of our fans who's been coming to coming to shows that I've been adapting since he was a little boy. And he's a he's blind. He's a beautiful, beautiful poet. So we have him on right now. He's in intermission. We're remixing and remastering Omnium. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to get the brand new version out. And so we've just moved some things around a bit.
3: Well, can we talk about that, like the, the general pivot that uh, you know everybody's had to do in the world in the past, you know, year and some change. You know, your your whole premise, it I'm sure, just like so many things, it thrives on that live audience. You've had to make that pivot. You've gone to this virtual setting. How has that been for you and the rest of the crew and the team? And then, you know, what is the what does this summer and this fall look like for you?
1: That's actually a great great question. So we <laughs> just started, believe it or not. This has been something that I've been dreaming of for many, many years. And with the pandemic, when everything shuttered down, we started Omnium as a not-for-profit. So our original intention was to create a virtual showcase because we couldn't perform live.
2: You mean before the pandemic?
1: During the pandemic.
2: During. Okay, got it. Because this started... During the pandemic, there wasn't a before the pandemic, right?
1: So before the pandemic, I was adapting programs from a different circus, from a New York circus. And I was just incredibly frustrated by the fact that if you were blind, you only got one opportunity a year to see the circus because they only hired an audio describer one day a year. Or if you had autism, you could only come with your family one day a year. And to me, that felt so wrong because what if somebody else in your family has a baseball game that day? You know the statistic, one in four has something that requires adaptation nationwide. One in four people own to saying, I have a disability of some sort. And I hate that word, but I don't have another one. So-
2: Yeah, the other words are worse. You're not
1: always someone at home, someone's always gonna get left out. So to me, that was just wrong. And I said, why can't we have a circus that's completely accessible to everyone every day, every show, all the time? And why is it that when you're watching a circus, You're not identifying. Why are circuses only containing one demographic? Whatever demographic that is, why is there only one or two? It doesn't make any sense. So I said, listen, that's not, that's not what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a circus that is equally diversified inside the ring and outside the ring and is equally accessible to all people all the time. Our staff is gonna be diverse, our board is gonna be diverse and we're all going to be inclusive because this is what needs to be. So we created this sh- this as a showcase. Everybody filmed it in their own quarantine. Mm. Each person- filmed- You never I think- really
2: know that, I guess. You wouldn't really, I wouldn't have known that.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, we just, we filmed yeah. it as a showcase, each in their own spaces during the pandemic. And there was one act we couldn't include because it has it's a group act and had four people together and you couldn't put four people in a room.
2: You also had these split screens, right? Where people are like doing things together, but they're not really together now, right? They were separate.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So we have our ringmaster and the character we call the poet. And they're in the next version, they're together because we could film them together. But in this version, we couldn't because of COVID. And so the ringmaster is obviously ringmastering and he's got this beautiful voice. But I didn't want... I didn't want to have an ASL interpreter off in the side in the corner. I wanted the sign language to be integral to the production so that people didn't have to look a different way and be watching an interpreter and missing the center action. So all of their conversations are a dialogue where the ringmaster will say, hi, welcome to the show. And the poet would say, did you just say welcome to the show?
2: Mm hmm.
1: So that they're integrated, so that you always, so that everyone feels completely included in the main storyline. Nobody's left off to the side.
2: It's not a side thought. You integrate it all together. Yeah. Yes. But like, so if you're pre-pandemic, you would have, you'd set up a thing in New York City, like a venue, and you'd have school groups and people with disabilities and families coming from all around the world. And this would be a destination that they would go to. You know, I remember even like the virtual circus said something like Wednesday through Sunday, right? Okay, but then virtually, how does that it's less sexy to talk about this, but how does the business model work in terms of flourishing under the virtual um, format?
1: We set it up as close to what we would want and what we hope to achieve post pandemic as possible, which is why we set our shows Wednesday through Sunday. Could you watch it on a Tuesday? Sure. Why not? But we set it up as a more of a, because that's the model that we know. That's the model we all know. Eight shows a week from Broadway, Wednesday through Sunday, six-pack weekends. So that's the model we set up on the pandemic. When we were thinking about the business model, most virtual offerings in the beginning of the pandemic were like free things on YouTube. Well, we're a brand new not-for-profit. We can't afford to be free. We have bills to pay. Right. So set it up as a ticketed thing, but... That said, we also want to be completely inclusive of those who can afford it and those who can't afford it and those who don't have jobs and those who can't figure out who don't have unemployment. And we wanted it, we want to be inclusive of often served and underserved populations. So we set up a fee structure where it's $25 per family. We are not coming into your house and counting your family members. When we're working with schools, we set up the cost as $10 per student, teachers, staff, support staff. That's our gift. They're working so hard during the pandemic. We don't charge for their tickets.
2: Mm, Nice.
1: And then if people come to us and say, there's a place on our website, I can't afford a ticket, but I'll happily promote Omnium. So Mm. we'll take a trade. If you'll give us a good review and say some nice things, we're happy to comp your ticket.
3: Right. I, I need to back up just a little bit because, I mean, I'm I'm trying to connect the dots from your time with Ringling Brothers, and there's got to be a, a moment in your life where it pivoted. I, I guess I need to understand first what you did with Ringling Brothers, and then where was the moment where, where you realized there was a space that didn't exist, and Lisa Lewis was going to find a way to fill that space. <laughs> I
2: think she was a clown.
1: I was, I, as a matter of fact.
2: No, no, I gotta interject, Jeff, because, all right, this is maybe politically incorrect, I'm not sure how to phrase this, but I heard you on an interview, and I was like, she sort of sounds like a clown. She, she's got a really <laughs> bubbly, she's got a really bubbly voice, and like, like, like really excitable. Like, with, sometimes when you'd say things, you'd like pound your fist on the table, And I just pictured you kind of like bopping around, and then you have a really infectious laugh that reminds me of a clown. Well, I
3: imagine Lisa, you have like yeah, you have a baseline that's everything, the effervescent baseline (laughs) that Eric's talking about. But then you probably have the spinal tap eleven that you can probably go to whenever you want to. You can be like, (laughs) (laughs) boom, eleven suddenly
1: is clown time.
3: Is that totally,
1: totally? It kind of, to answer your question, it happened almost gradually. I was with Ringling Brothers, as you know, as a clown, which was great, awesome. And I did what's called advanced work. So I went out and I worked schools and I did promotional stuff for the circus. And then one day I was in a show and I was working with another clown who was signing to a group of teenagers surly teenagers with their arms crossed, all grumpy. Oh yeah. And as soon as the clown I was working with started communicating with them in their native language, their faces lit up. And I realized I wanted to learn that. So I went and started studying sign language. And then when I came, I moved from, I was in Boston at the time. I moved to New York and I started working with the big apple circus and with the clown care unit working in hospitals which I did and enjoyed that very much. And then I started volunteering. They had a program called Circus of the Senses, which was created in 1987. And I started volunteering. Then I became the interpreter. Then I slowly took it over. And in taking it over, I realized it was one of those things that had kind of been shoved off to the side where they kind of gave away 2000 tickets to people that they had that four letter word pity in it. Hmm. which I'm not really great at. And I thought, you know what? This, isn't, this can be more. This can be so much more. So we added a show for autism because they were putting people with divergently opposed needs in the same space. If you have someone who's hard of hearing, you need to amplify the sound. If you have someone who's got sensory sensitivities, you need to reduce the sensory contrast. You can't do that in the same production until now. Mm. So that program grew, it flourished, and then it was still only two days a tour. So it was still right. not as inclusive as I wanted it to be. And all audience members are still not welcome at every show. Even though I had braille programs out at every single production and I had descriptions out, it's still not the same thing as getting an audio description live or even recorded as you're watching the show. Mm-hmm. And the production was never as diversified as I would want it to be. So it just became, I fought and fought and fought. My teammates from the circus will tell you that I was constantly bothering them. You're not diverse enough, you're not diverse enough. Hmm. And so it was finally, I've had this in my thought in my heart and it just, the opportunity existed It was like, okay, we can do this now. Everybody's shut down. We have the opportunity to be the world we want to see.
2: When you build this show, now, one, you're doing it for people with disabilities to make things more inclusive and more sensory and more welcoming. But I can envision, and I know every organization or every movement has to have a target community, but I, I envision people with zero disability, like just you know, quote unquote, everyday normal families and so Mm -hmm. forth coming and seeing this because they have a lot to learn.
1: And that's the goal. Our goal is to unite people. It's I don't it's not a it's not a sideshow. It's not a show for people with different abilities for any one particular demographic. Our goal is to bring everyone together because at our core, we're all human. And we all have that very, very base need to smile, to laugh, to share the laughter of our children, to share a multi-generational experience where grandparents can say, I remember this from the circus and kids can experience it new. And you can share that across all communities, across all demographics and across all abilities. So our goal is exactly what you said, to bring everyone together, the often served and the underserved.
3: Well, when you have a performance, Lisa, do you know, like, I mean, you you showed us a a bit of a spectrum on, you know, folks who who really require a louder sound or a narrative sound and then folks who maybe need, you know, a bit of a a subdued, how Mm -hmm. do you know, do you know who's coming and how to reach them before they arrive at the event itself? Meaning like, are you screening for each event and you know, like, this group of people or this, this, this particular individual needs this, that one needs that?
1: Um, if there's a particular group, like if we have a more homogenous group that's coming, we'll know in advance. Mm-hmm. But the idea of the show is that you don't have to tell us in advance that when you get there, we will take care of you. Yeah, yeah, And in our live version, the audio description will come through headsets. So you walk in, you put your driver's license down, you pick up your headset, you go in, you enjoy the show. The audio description will just be there. Mm -hmm. There will be an area for seating where we'll have um, we're still designing it. So I don't know the exact details, but we will have a seating area that reduces the sensory input so that if you need that, when you buy your tickets, you'll say I need reduced sensory contrast and you'll Mm -hmm. sit in a section that is that has reduced sensory contrast. Most people that are particularly sound sensitive tend to have their own headphones just because it's also a tactile thing, but we certainly have plenty of sets pairs of headsets. If you've forgotten yours or if you need one, Mm -hmm. we have manipulatives. We have an area outside of the tent that we call a chill zone. That's a reduced sensory area where you can just go and you can take a break. You can sit in a beanbag chair. We've got weighted blankets and anything that Mm -hmm. you might need to feel more comfortable so that you can then come back into the show.
2: Well, from my humble perspective, don't lose the combo of the narrators, the two narrators, the man and the woman who are kind of talking like, you know, figure skate skater play by play. Like they're just having this nice natural conversation and it really works. I hope I hope you don't lose that in the formula.
1: We'll not ever lose that in the formula. That's something we've been doing since the since 1987 we've had two audio describers. And I'm not sure if anybody else does that or not.
2: Nobody does that. I've never seen it. You have one audio describer and it's kind of awkward because they're like, you know, they're just talking into there.
3: Mm -hmm. You have like a color and a, an analyst, you know, you have the -hmm. the, the person, it's the dynamic that's coming from that relationship because two different people, two different optics and how they see it. And then they, they translate it out. So very subjectively. Right.
1: Exactly. And we always had, our kind of formula was one professional audio describer and one person who really knows circus. Now these two happen to be both at this point because they've been doing it for a number of years, but
2: yeah, they're good. So do So the circus has gotten a little bit beat up over the years, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so do you ever get some pushback, you know, like one, obviously (laughs) there's the elephant, you know, controversy, right? How they treat animals. Then you, you then you got, um, um, like people's fear of clowns, <laughs> sometimes, exactly. and then you got the, then you got the, um, you know, people with disabilities were put into these quote unquote freak shows. So, do do you do you have to fight that a little bit, or is that really like a non factor these days?
1: No, it's very real. It's, you're absolutely right. It's very very real. And I guess what I would want people to do is to accept history because yes, it existed. Everyone I know who has performing animals values them incredibly highly. They're your partner, they're your life, they're your friend. I personally don't know anyone who mistreats animals. I know that that has existed in history. I'm not stupid, I'm not, you know, obviously it has. But I, and I I know sideshows existed too. And I know there was a place and I know there's a history for that, but that was then. And that doesn't make it right. Slavery existed too, but that doesn't mean I'm a proponent of it. I mean, it's horrible. (laughs) Just because things happened in the past doesn't mean that I'm going to continue that, that we did have the horse act, which is, I love. And Jenny's rescued most of her horses from a fate of becoming dog food. And they live on this gorgeous farm and they're her partners and her friends and her family.
2: Yeah. This is really a paradigm shift, like, because it's, it's highlighting people's abilities and their and their, you know, full sort of potential in life. It's not a sideshow at all. They're totally different animals. But I, I just thought I'd still ask that question.
1: No, I'm glad you did because it's a very it's a very important question. And that is the that is the paradigm we want to change, because that's people's perspective. They'll say, Oh, I'm scared of clowns. Why are you scared of clowns? Because Stephen King wrote a novel and made you scared.
2: <laughs> right. Or
1: because someone took the superficial element of a clown and put it out there as that, as opposed to the heart of a clown, which is a human being who really wants to connect. The clown historically is the everyman character. That's the character with whom everyone can connect. It's your gateway into the world of the circus. That's that role. So to allow people to see that role and to feel that role, And not be afraid of trappings of of a preconceived notion of what you think the next horror story is going to be.
2: Yeah. And it's fuel efficient because you can fit like, what, like a hundred clowns in a car, right?
1: Oh, yeah. As long as nobody ate beans.
2: All right <laughs> hey so, so I, I still am
3: curious when when you are in person say maybe this fall you're i mean it's it's straight up like big top right yeah. i mean we're, we're talking about like you're bringing a new school version of the circus to uh, you know it's but still maintaining the heritage in a way and the yeah. tradition making it under a big time you could go into a, an arena and do it there but you're maintaining the the, the traditional authenticity of it so i mean that, obviously that was a that was a point I'm, I'm interested i'm just interested in just how this whole thing looks like you know and and, and what it's going to look like in a multi-city tour and i mean do you go in with like tractor trailers 18 wheelers and are you you know yeah out, and how long does it take to like put together. The circus circus is in town. Let's, let's build a a big top. What does that, what does that look like?
1: It's intense. We have 18 wheelers. We come in. We've obviously, you scope the site in advance. We come in. It takes about four or five days to set up the tent. Ah. It's climate controlled. We've got heat. We've got hot water. We have nice porta potties, all accessible, But yeah, we set up the tent and we deliberately chose to stay in the tent, like you said, because an arena is just not the same. I wanted the visceral, tactile, the smell of the popcorn. If we had elephants, you would smell it, but we don't. So, But yeah, I wanted visceral, tactile feeling of the tent with all of the modern inclusion together. So yeah, we come in with 18 wheelers. We set up the tent. Each city will be at least we're hoping will be at least six weeks just because it's not cheap to set up a huge tent.
3: Oh you'll be in you'll be on location for six weeks with the build up with all the different events and then the takedown.
2: Hey so I'm totally shifting tax here the uh, in the audio description the popcorn maker got an inordinate amount of uh, attention in the background. <laughs> what? Is there something symbolic to this popcorn maker? Because by the end of the performance, I was like, I think I smell popcorn. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe that's why. Right.
1: So the popcorn. Maker- like I
2: really wanted some popcorn and some like maybe some cracker jacks or something.
1: <laughs> maybe like a here. hot dog
2: with sauerkraut. I, you know, started getting cravings.
1: Trying to enliven the rest of your senses, right? We're virtual. You can't smell the popcorn. If we were in the tent, you would have smelt it.
2: Yeah, I think I smelled it though.
1: Oh, there you go. We described it well. You could smell it.
3: Well, I, I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember, and I guess we all are that—that that, you know that that very visceral feeling of being in in Southwest Virginia. And I mean, I was definitely under ten, uh, I imagine, and going with friends and my parents, and you know, paying the two bucks or whatever, and going in and and being really excited, and you know, I mean, I just remember all of that and. You're, you're replicating that i mean you're replicating it in a virtual compa- uh, capacity now but i mean that's very cool that you're that, that you understand that that's part of this whole experience is trying to recreate that for for everyone because boy i mean i've i've still got it 40 years later you know i still remember it
1: that's exactly that's it that's the point that memory is with you And that memory is something that our entire nation can collectively feel. If you have that experience, you can share that experience with any other 10 year old kid that was in that tent anywhere in the country and you'll all have something in common. And in that way, we can really come together with the circus. That's why we chose to stay under the tent big top because it is such a multi-sensory experience.
2: When, When people come in, say like in wheelchairs, and Mm -hmm. they're watching a normal circus performance you know i kind of feel like they're like hey i'm on the sidelines i'm a spectator i'm seeing things happening that i would never be able to do myself but with this format i feel like there are people who kind of see themselves a little bit they're like in in a in a just a very far out way they're seeing their own possibilities on the stage is yep. that one of like the big pictures of like what you hope people walk away with at after they've seen a show? Like, what do you want them to think and feel?
1: That's exactly it. I want everyone to be able to identify with someone in the show to say that person looks like me. I can do that. I can be my best self. And I want them to look at the person next to them and say that person looks like you. Wow, you're cooler than I ever thought you were. Yeah. Um, To be able to look at each other and say, oh, wait, I never realized what potential you have, even though you use a wheelchair or even though you're different than me in whatever way we're different, that everyone has someone to identify with so you can feel better, not better, but you can feel your own potential, that you can feel the possibilities of yourself and what you can do and see that in others. Mm. Our hope is that in november we will be able to open in new york city hopeful hopeful
3: yeah yeah it sounds like that's a that's a good that's a good target we got our
1: tents ready we're just
3: I'll come visit i want to see i'm amazed at your talent acquisition i mean you just you're bringing in some extra i mean some of the visuals if everybody just needs to at least go on omniscircus.org and check it out and i mean the the visuals themselves are are stunning but then, just sort of understanding the talent pool that you're that you're pulling from, I'm always just amazed at the extraordinary process of the human condition and what human beings can do. That are in this case, just like I said, artists and athletes. Like it's you've got a great sort of combination of artist artistry and athleticism that comes together. So I'm so excited to to uh, to see this. So hopefully you'll come to the, maybe the summit, uh, I mean, and, and, and be a part of that.
1: Would love to.
2: Maybe Jeff and I could come perform something. Like I could have like a hula hoop on fire and Jeff, you could like jump through it and stuff. Super
1: cool. (laughs) Yeah, there you go.
2: Do little dances. You could be like in a skin tight outfit and jumping through the fire hoop.
3: Hey, I've got more hair to lose than you, so you should be the one jumping through fire. You, right. Right. I have more to lose than you doing that. So ooh, ooh, the blind
2: bullshit. guy jumping through the um, yeah.
3: fire That's hoop like, is yeah. way cooler than and, you, yeah, you from a cannon through a fiery hula hoop. There you go. Oh, Love that. Up. I mean, we've got
2: some work to do, but it could be. Okay. About. We'll start working on our on our act.
1: Well, you've yeah. got you can start practicing. We've we've talked a lot about the artists that we have that struggle through that not struggle but that have differentiated physical abilities. But we've also got artists that are sixth generation and have known nothing but circus their entire life. So the bar is pretty high. We've got some really wow. awesome folks. All
2: right, maybe yeah, we'll I won't try stuff. then. Forget it, dude. Yeah. No. Well, Lisa, thank you so much. What you're doing is so paradigm shifting. We've said that before, and um, I know it's going to take off. And, you know, I just love it when brilliant ideas are, you know, somebody has the courage and the initiative to bring a brilliant idea to the, to the s- surface and, and watch it grow. And then no barriers we can connect and ride your coattails because we, we love this kind of innovation and this kind of uh, cultural shift.
1: I appreciate it. You know, it's funny. I was listening to one of your in one of your podcasts and I forget which one you said this, but you were talking about your No Barriers team and it really struck a chord because everything we're doing, we're so much together. And I have such an incredible team of people working on this and hats off to everybody. Hats off to you guys. And teamwork makes the dream work, I guess. Thanks. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you're on a you're on a pretty extensive rope team. You know, you've got a lot of members on the Yeah, kudos to you guys. And and uh just amazing work just being you're an alchemist, as Eric says, you know, like you're, yeah. you're a creator, you're an engineer, you're an artist, you're all those things. So thank you for making the world a better place.
2: Yeah, everyone who's listening, go out and check out Omnium. It's great and uh, you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, Lisa, I mentioned the omniacircus.org.
3: I mean, that that's obviously a, you could spend an hour just kind of floating around through there, but where else, I mean, once you put up tour dates and so forth, like where else could people hear about you, find out about you and and uh, come see you?
1: So, by all means, go to omniumcircus.org. We're on at Omnium circus on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. We're trying to figure out TikTok. We're working on that one. We haven't yeah. gotten there yet, but we're working on that one. But we're all over social media at OmniumCircus.org. And our tour dates and everything will be up on our website. And if you go to our website, join the mailing list. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way you'll get our mailings. And if you would like to support us, by all means, go right ahead. OmniumCircus.org slash donate. And we're welcoming to that too.
3: Awesome. Well, thanks, Lisa. Much obliged
2: to you. Thank you, Lisa. No barriers to everyone. Thanks, Jeff.
3: Thanks, Lisa.
1: Thank you guys so much.
0: We would like to thank our generous sponsors that make our No Barriers podcast possible. Wells Fargo, Prudential, CoBank, Aero Electronics, and Winnebago. Thank you so much for your support. It means everything to us. The production team behind this podcast includes senior producer Pauline Schaefer, sound design, editing, and mixing by Tyler Cotman, and marketing support by Heather Zocali, Stevie DiNardo, Erica Hui, and Alex Schaefer. Special thanks to the Dan Ryan Band for our intro song, Guidance. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to it, share it, and give us a review. Show notes can be found at NoBarriersPodcast.com.